inking, writing, laughing, crying, sketching, drawing, then more crying, trying, crying, feeling it out. Baby nut fans out I, there. I have a I have a TED talk of my general disdain for baby nut. I don't know if it's for the fans out there of baby nut. <laughs> I would feel like I would insult people. Ugh. Um Welcome to Feeling It Out. <laughs> I'm Kyle. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> welcome to Feeling It Out with Kyle and Connor. I'm Kyle. I'm Connor. Um, I'm back. Hey, Connor. Hey, I'm back. back. I've actually That's been standing right. in the corner of the room while you record. <laughs> I just didn't want to say anything. Yeah, no. Um, things have been picking up with Token Studios. Listeners of the podcast know uh, the last episode, if you didn't realize, was titled uh, We Finished Our Comic Book. So... Uh, <laughs> All exciting stuff there. If you want to know more info, you can listen to the last episode. Um, I thought today might be a good opportunity to just talk about like uh, depression and what depression means and what it does and what it has done to us specifically. Uh, I have a very... Uh, my day was very context relevant to this particular topic too. Okay, go for, for it. the for the for the feelers out there. So I'm calling our our fans now. But for you feelers out there, <clears throat> your boy finally had his first psychiatric appointment. Congrats, man! Thanks. That's awesome. Thanks. That's a huge step. Yeah, and it was tough because as Kyle knows, I was kind of fighting it, and for a while I didn't have insurance. And the point is, I went, and it was good. And one of the things I brought to attention was that when I was originally diagnosed. So, fun fact, everybody, I have ADD or ADHD, which there's a whole other thing that I could go off about on a rant on that too. Um, but we'll get into things that are important to the story. But the point is, I guess, when I, was, I mean, that's important to the story. Well, I, I think that's something we're supposed to say in the beginnings. Uh, I'm Kyle and I'm a uh, oh, writer, yes. producer, podcaster with anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder and depression. And I'm Connor and I definitely have ADHD or ADD or whatever you want to call it. I also have depression, but I learned a lot about the degrees of depression today, things that really? I've never considered. Yes. And what's funny, too, is that I have now been put in this position of broadening my... I'm just going to sound like a shithead. Broadening my perspective of depression to the point where I, I have so many new thoughts about it. So anyway, that being said, I get diagnosed... And I go in because I want to find out if I'm ADHD. My dad is. It runs hereditary. Mm -hmm. There's a trend. Now, my doctor who diagnosed me, who was a psychologist, said, hey, based on what you've said also, sounds like you should also look into antidepressants because I have gotten to the point with my depression where I can see it coming and I prepare and I do things. Not as much anymore because it just doesn't do anything. But that was kind of the point, too, is she was saying, like, well, it sounds like because at the time, when I met her too, I said, "Yeah, I've actually stopped drinking, and um, I, I make sure that I'm forcing myself to do an hour of video games and an hour of drawing each day, so I'm staying active, even if I don't want to. I'm still trying to talk to at least like a select people. I was doing everything I could to combat the natural spiral of depression, but I was still feeling depressed. The symptoms, yeah. And she's like, "Well, if this is so difficult for you, you might want to consider medication at this point." Then I have my psychiatrist appointment, and he said two things. One, yes, you have ADD. And before I go into the, the part about depression, which I know is technically the focus, I would like to say that it's such a fascinating thing, ADHD, because even he said himself that 
a lot of it is just medicating general human condition to varying degrees. And even to those who aren't fully in the know, um, to be diagnosed with ADHD, because it can be so many things, you need to have a certain set of symptoms. It's not like when you're depressed and it's like, great, you're depressed. Let's see how depressed you are. It's your ADHD or you're not. But if you are, then there's a bunch of like other... That isn't even... I don't know. Well, you, you can, I think what... If, if I may, yeah. I think what you're saying is that ADHD is so similar to just being a person that it's really difficult to discern if someone has ADHD or if they are just a little energetic. Right. Is that what you mean? And not even just energetic, but some of the other symptoms of ADD, like having trouble with time management or organization or memory issues, are actually a part of ADHD. But what's funny is that in my case, they have you do an IQ test when you take these. And that's not what I believe, by the way. I was being hmm. devil's advocate that like saying, oh, the symptoms of ADHD is just being a person. So you just need to like, well, no, that's that, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I, I was trying to glean what you were trying to say. Yes, but that is what I was trying to say. And I don't want to devalue anyone who's at any level of ADHD, even if you're not officially diagnosed and you suffer from it. Any any exaggerated symptom that's part of ADHD still sucks, even if you're just being human. It, it just does. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, it can be tough because you know, there's a while where when it was getting really big, parents would just assume their kid had it, but that's where it falls into like, kids have energy. Kids don't have the best focus. You have to wait. I had one kid in my class in the nineties who got diagnosed and it was like an avalanche. We were all getting tested. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. So it, so when you, when, when I got tested, we did an IQ test and the reason because is that a lot of ADHD things too are very similar to cognitive behavioral issues that people can have. And so my doctor was like, I just want to make sure that you, you're processing things normally and it's not something else because there's a myriad of other things it could be. And I don't want to get into too many details, but essentially what they said is, is which this is what, 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 what uh, uh, validated it for me personally, which is also a relief because I don't know if I mentioned the podcast either, but I constantly think I'm stupid. Mm. But... My psychologist and my psychiatrist are like, oh, no, your IQ is actually above average. And the reason we think you're ADHD is because when you take an IQ test, you're supposed to score this around the same on everything. There's definitely areas where you're better or worse, but it's within like five points. Okay. I was like 20 points off. And they're like, you're underperforming yourself because of this. And so you need assistance. What is an IQ test? I've never actually taken one before. They're so fun. So... They run you through these kind of exercises ranging from like my, my psychologist put a piece of paper in front of me and they were just squares with colors, green, red, and blue. And she said, just say the color in, in order as fast as you can. So you're like green, blue, red, red, blue, green, blue, red, green, blue, right? Then she's like, here's the next one. And it's the word of the color but the words are all black. So you have to read the word green, green, red, blue, green, red, blue, whatever. And then they start doing it where it's the word green is the color blue. Uh huh. And you have to say the color, not the word. Gotcha. So that does sound fun. It's super fun. Or there's another one where she's like, how many words you know that begin with the letter K and you can't do repeats, repeats or 
plural ing version so you can't say kiss and kissing you have to say kiss and like kinetic interesting and i like that shit um but through that they did they realized that because i had such a wide range of like this isn't even just a human thing like you're fundamentally suffering on a behavioral issue which is attributed to adhd is this thing called executive memory gathering okay and i have a severe deficit in it which means that and you've probably experienced this just working with me when people have a question or if they're given the pieces of a puzzle your brain naturally pulls out the pieces of the puzzle from your memory and puts it together i can't or, or have a lot of trouble doing that so i can get half of a plan or understand things through context of the end game given to me, but it's hard for me to pull up the pieces. Gotcha. Anyway, the long end of this story is I had trouble getting my medication today. So I might get it tomorrow. I also might not. I have no idea yet. Mm. That being said, the depression part of it is that my psychiatrist said, I actually wouldn't give you antidepressants because it sounds like similar with your IQ test, you're depressed but in focused areas, whereas typically depression hits you and it hits everything. Mm -hmm. He said, it sounds like you're having trouble with some stuff, but you admittedly even said that you push through and you still draw, you still do this. It's just, just hard. He said, it's something to look at, but I wouldn't give you medication yet because you're surviving. And because from what I'm understanding, it's that you're able to do that. Like it's one thing to plan. I'm going to make sure that I draw and play video games for one hour. And what that doctor is saying that if you had actionable depression, you could not do that. Right. What he was saying is that his, and he even said, if you want to do it, you can, he was very great. But he said, personally, I would only give someone antidepressants if they had the plan or they understood it, but they physically could not, and there's obviously a cutaway. I know that my mom's experience, there's been times in the past where I've experienced that and I've just gotten more adept at handling it. So it's not, it's still tough. Yeah. But it's interesting because then I started thinking about it like, well, so have I not? Because for me, I felt like I was as low as I can go. And I started thinking about relative lowness and all this stuff. And depression is just so powerful and shitty and weird. And that's. That was my long-winded point. That's great. It's all very relevant, and it's given great context to what happened to me uh, tonight. Have you ever seen the movie Melancholia? No, I was worried I would cry too much. It's a good movie. It's by Lars von Trier, (laughs) who made Antichrist and others. But um, in it, Kirsten Dunst plays a woman with, violent depression and uh the way that she explains it in one scene is that she's walking through a forest and there's vines and roots attached to her stuck in her pulling and even though she wants to walk out of the forest these vines are keeping her in one place and i never forgot that because it scratches the surface of what I understand depression to be, at least my relationship with depression. And I'm, I know I'm rational enough to know that uh, depression is different for everybody. And uh, I was so completely overwhelmed uh, this evening. Um, I, I don't, I don't, 
so this podcast is really good and we've gotten to a rhythm where uh we're recording the night before these go out and it's something that i'm ashamed of because this started as a uh test to see how well we worked together and i internalized the schedule like travesty that's happened uh and there was nothing i could do about it and maybe listeners of the podcast know or don't know i smoke weed every day i may or may not have an addiction and i did not want to smoke before recording that said i noticed my friend connor was having kind of a tough day today and I know that he wanted to record this episode. And last time, 7 o'clock was a little too early because for whatever reason, it seems that he isn't able to eat uh, a full dinner and be like here fully unless we do it a little bit later. And so instead of offering earlier, I was being empathic and offered 8, knowing full well what I would be. And in my head, I was like, well, that's fine. I'll go home. I'll eat. And I'll just lay in bed on my phone and wait until he shows up. And then we'll record and it'll be fun. And then I can smoke and go get on with myself. And uh, it was very overwhelming. And I uh, I needed help. And my fiance was, was, was there and was very helpful and uh, was also insistent that I don't let this one go that this podcast serves a different purpose than just entertainment. And so I want to use this as an opportunity to define my depression for me. And so what I experience is a complete system paralysis as a result of a lack of self-respect and self-esteem is that I can systematically prove to myself why each and every one of the things that I value and like, whether it's TV or spicy foods or my mom or uh, the feel of a plush uh, carpet under my feet, whatever, a particular TV show is stupid and infantile and not worth anyone's time. And if anyone knew that I liked it. They'd know how stupid I am and it doesn't matter because I know how stupid I am and all of those are terrible and stupid things and I'm stupid and I don't deserve to feel better or good. Uh, and that leads to, yeah, a, a complete paralysis where uh, I... It's interesting. You say that like you can feel it like when it comes on or like you know how to see it. I get, for me, it's, it's my arms. Forget, for me, I get tingles in my arms and mm. I can, that's, that's a, like the only real physical, like beyond emotional, uh, trigger that it's like, Oh, it's, it's happening. Uh, and, and, and I've, I've, I've been very fortunate by having a great support network in my life and an amazing therapist for a couple of years up in the Bay area that gave me a lot of tricks and a lot of, uh, ways to, catch myself and and uh it's it's so hard sometimes because because I'm not suicidal and 
it is so easy to see sometimes how futile it is. Yeah. And the hardest part is figuring out what part of all of this is valid and real and what part isn't. Because obviously feeling sad, that's valid. Let's feel it out. Feeling sad, that's valid. Feeling like all of my interests are dumb, that's irrational. It's totally valid to utterly and 100% hate myself, but for reasons, any reason, like, no, they're chemicals. And that's something that I feel like I have to remind myself constantly is that our 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 comic is doing really well and this podcast is is really fun and despite anything that will happen i will always feel like this sometimes and i feel like it was it wasn't this hard to be a fucking person like once upon a time like i've used this analogy a lot it feels like my life is supermarket sweep and I am running through the supermarket reaching for uh, knee problems and depression and uh, uh, neuroses about grandparents and authority figure resentment and as many ne- like problems as I can before, before I get out of there. And it's, it's, it's maddening because even when I have the best support network in the world, I'm going to feel like this sometimes. And the only constant at the end of all of it is that it's me. It's all me. And like, like, yeah, it can be work stuff and stuff, but that's the thing is like, I had a pretty good day, I think overall. And I still managed to, to do this to myself where I was trying to be empathic for a friend to the point of self-denial and I still don't know if that was the wrong thing to do, you know? Yeah. So it's just so I understand better too. Um, uh, yeah, sorry. No, I just, <laughs> I feel it, man. It sucks. And, and it's okay. Uh, yeah. Well, no, it's not okay because this shouldn't. People shouldn't have to deal with this, and that's stupid, and we do, and we have to, and it's unfortunate because my general outlook on life is you just suffer, and that's life, and I have these fleeting moments of, like, brightness. It's, well, it's, sorry, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, I think because it, in, a, in a weird way, I've noticed how, the way I handle my day to day is this like whimsical train of confusion and pacificity and, but also antagonizing on my end and like all this weird shit And your day to day seems to, from an outside perspective, run like a train. And it's funny how our depression is entirely different where for me, I'm like, okay, I'm clocking in. Here we go. Like, and my feelings about it are different, but just the way that I've noticed I process it is that, I'm on the other end and I'm like, in like a moment like this, I mean, I know this isn't your intention to bring it up, but I'm sorry because especially in the future, if you ever want to do something earlier, I I don't need to eat dinner, man. Like I really don't. 
it and I know this isn't your intention. That's self denial too. It I well, you right. deserve to eat dinner. I would argue it's different because I know that if I don't eat dinner, the worst that happens is I get a little headache and then I just eat after. And I'm okay with that. It's not great, it's not ideal, but I'm okay with that, whereas there's a lot of other stuff I'm not okay with. And the stuff that you're okay with and the stuff that you're not okay well, with. Well, that was the thing. It's like at the end of the day, for all I knew, you were also like, well, darn, I wanted to come a little earlier, but he said eight, so I guess I'll wait until eight. And like maybe you were like, I'll just wait, I guess, and just dick around when like I could have communicated to you. And I, I feel like this is a larger symptom of like the regression that I'm experiencing at work because – it's interesting what you just said, how like our day to day, my day to day at this current at my at this current place of work has been so different for me. And it's been so important for my like development out of so many bad habits and so many things that kept me safe at a lot of old jobs at my own expense. Mm. And with the recent like responsibility shift at work, I've realized, and I think I expressed this today, is that the reason I was so happy about the shift is because I didn't realize what was happening. It is that that triggers aren't just negative things. That a trigger isn't like a dog barking isn't just triggering because it scares you and reminds you when you were a little kid and a dog barked and now that triggers you. A dog barking could remind you of your really positive relationship with your dog for a long time. And that is triggering because it makes you sad. But what I'm discovering is that in fact, some things that seem safe and good is triggering. So, so this new paradigm at work has shifted responsibilities to the point that I am now firmly at the bottom of the totem pole supporting every uh, account that I'm responsible for. I thought that's what I wanted because that's what I did for a long time is I came into work and I was on and I'm supporting people and I'm getting things from multiple desks and I'm keeping it all organized and it's taking everything to do this and stay present and push all these things out of the way of my life. My friends just I am not that I am here and I'm the employee and then when I would leave I'd have nothing and I, I'm, I'm, I was, I was embracing this change recently because it's, I, I was like, oh, this feels right, but that's not necessarily good for me in mm. this, in this situation. And I'm really proud of myself for recognizing that, but it's, it's, it's not done. This is the first step. Well, I want to propose a, an interesting question to you. Sure. Would you think that it would be better to, because I know we've both talked about how you have a tendency in a work environment to to pick up as much as you can because you can, and so you kind of create this environment. Stop me at any point. No. You create this environment where it looks like everyone's performing well and really you're carrying this brunt of it. And because of that, if anything bad happens, well, Sherry didn't even know she was missing stuff because she doesn't pay attention. And so now it's your thing. So would you have thought it was a smart move to say, you know what? I, I see this. There's something wrong here. But 
I need this person to be aware of their consequences, so I'm not going to do it because I shouldn't do that to myself. They don't deserve it if they need to get better. This is a good system. Would you think that is a – this is – sorry, this is a shitty way I'm phrasing this. Is that something that you would want to do ideally? Because I have a, I have a follow-up to your answer. No. Right? So right. here's my follow-up because I – Spent 10 years, a break on uh, the hat shop job, which was just, <laughs> everyone was great there. I was an idiot. And I have spent years closing coffee shops essentially on my own with someone who wasn't carrying their weight, and I would never correct them. And I just do it myself. So I'm like, but they're a good person. They're trying, blah, blah, blah. But like, And the company is, isn't, like, doesn't deserve to fail because of them. Yeah, but at some point, I thought, at some point, I shouldn't be putting myself over so much physical duress and emotional duress. And then also if something is wrong, suddenly it's my fault now, but also they need to know that they need to do a better job because if I was them and I found out someone was covering for me, I'd get pissed because I should have been doing it. And so I thought next job, next job, I'm not going to do that. Fast forward to this job. Okay. Get ready audience. This is a real feel it out moment here. It's how you know we're recording it live. I, was on a campaign, I noticed there were things wrong, and I said, wait, don't fix them. They need to experience the consequence of that not working out. You know the one I'm talking about. Good for you. Because you and I both had to do that today. And this isn't on anybody because everyone works differently, but there are certain I'm I guys, I'm not even up to Kyle's standard of organizing things and doing stuff. I'm just not. I've got other strengths, but that's not one of them, and that's okay. I try to though. And honestly, you inspired me to really try, but I caught myself and I was like, no, Connor, you said you weren't gonna do this anymore. You can't keep doing this. And guess what? No one called me out on it. But guess what? Now I'm watching you suffer because I didn't do anything. And so I'm just realizing, like, so this sucks. So either – and this this is unfair because this is the first time I've tried it and I also didn't do enough to promote this idea of them picking up their stuff. But it's frustrating to me because this these are these moments in my life where I go, okay, so the right thing to do was to put it all on me because at the end of the day, if everyone goes, you did it, I'll be sad, but I'll go, okay, that's how it is. And that's not fair to anybody. There's one person I'd want that on, but again, we don't need to get into this. How do you? Uh, hmm. You, but uh, I was gonna say, how do you know that? And the answer is that you had to walk through the fire for ten years. Yeah. And go, I am not doing that again. But then I did it, and it sucks because n- not only am I like, fuck, I should have just, should have just done it myself, and I should have just gone into my own habits, and that was triggering for me. And a lot of today, I was just like. I mean, Kyle knows. I've told this to maybe everybody I've interrupted today. I'm, I am ready to fight. I don't know who. I don't know why. I will beat someone up. I'm not a strong guy. I'll figure it out. But I'm so mad. And part of it, not all of it, but part of it was because I didn't take enough of an action to do something that originally went on my set of morals. I just didn't do it. And I'm watching someone else who doesn't deserve it suffer when – I would argue you you got you and you and our coworker got the shittiest end of this arrangement and I'm furious about it, but I also kind of signed up for this and so I'm like, well, goddammit, what am I supposed to do? So it's been not to compare this situation. 
but I am sorry. I'm officially sorry. And at the same time, I know that for me, I need to find a way to meet both ends where I say, hey, I did this for you. So just make sure you're keeping an eye on it since that's your job. Yeah. But it's it's so hard because I've I've spent so much of my life feeling bad that I want to do everything all the time to make sure that nobody else experiences what I did. And that results in self-denial because if I'm just trying to make sure that no one's feelings are hurt, the one time someone hurts my feelings and no one's there to like be me for it, it's, it's magnified like a thousand times because because I'm I feel like I'm doing so much work to make sure people feel good and it's it's even like when I when I worked with kids when I worked in gymnastics do you realize how many children's games are exclusion or exclude oh so many so many if not like almost every kid's game somehow results in a child being alone on the side sitting down watching their friends play a thing as a punishment like Simon says, red light, green light. There are so many of these quote-unquote fun games, and I'm not trying to be just like a super like liberal or whatever, but those ones hurt me as a kid. I didn't like being excluded to a point that I'm still working on accepting being excluded from things. And that is like such an important part of me and my character that I try to, to do anything I can from kids to adults to make sure that they couldn't possibly feel the way I would horrendously irrationally feel given the same collection of stimuli. And it's making me sad. It's a lot. Because on paper, it seems like making sure nobody feels bad would make you happy. I don't know. I've been watching <laughs> in the air of respecting my values. I've been watching a uh, TV program directed at younger audiences called Bluey on Disney plus. It's clearly very, very much directed at younger audiences. There's no real conflicts. They just like do a fun thing and then they maybe share how it made them feel if it was bad or something. And then it all gets resolved. And I, I don't know if it's obvious in my voice, but I resent myself for enjoying it and I'm going to keep watching it because it makes me feel good. Yeah. It makes me feel like the things I like are okay. Which I think they are. Thank you. It I mean it it helps that I'm also into stuff that we all are. Could go on right? about. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. It, okay, I'm going to put my foot down. Just, I'm ready to fight. If you fucking like football, I don't want to hear a goddamn <laughs> thing from you because you not only like football and watching one of the most boring looking sports of all time, but you remember the names and you do fantasy football, which has no fucking point. And I know because I like to gamble. I get it, but no. Which do you hate no, more? It's fucking stupid. Football or baseball? Oh, baseball. Yeah, because me too. you know why? <laughs> because you know why there are. There are baseball players that don't seem like they're in the proper physical condition <laughs> for the fucking game they, they play. Seem like they should be linebackers. Yes. 
And it's insulting to me because I know there's skill and technique that goes into it, but it's just somehow looking at it just feels Basketball, like being lazy. Soccer, I get because yes. it's moving. Fucking tennis, Baseball man. And I football get is that shit. Ending every second, and it's just a vehicle for ads. It's just for how can we get more commercials? I know. And yet somehow that's okay. <laughs> and there's other things that either validate you emotionally or physically or like any other thing, and somehow that's. Oh, that's not okay. Like, what the fuck? But there's even some pieces of content that are, like, designed that way. Like, oh, it's a guilty pleasure. Like, oh, I don't really think I should say this, but I kind of like uh, The Bachelor. Oh, my God. And, like, there's only, they there's, don't hate themselves like I do. <laughs> there's only one thing that I actually thought was a guilty pleasure, and it's for the way that I consumed it and not for what it was. And for a while, I thought I was feeling guilty because of what it was. But then I realized that obviously I liked it to whatever degree. And I, I, I don't any. Okay, listen. So there was a point in college when Assassin's Creed 2 came out. And I played that to the point where my it's friends had to. de Firenze. Yeah. My friends had to check up on me. They thought I was sick. I was like not going to class or anything. All I did was play Assassin's Creed 2 and binge Family Guy. Start to finish. <laughs> I had Family Guy on my laptop. I was playing Assassin's Creed 2. My roommate was all about it. Fuck you, Henry, because <laughs> you you fucking you you. What's the word um, when you're when you're like pushing someone to do something like they pushed like, you? No, but like <laughs> egging no, him on, egging you on. Sort of like when you're um, encouraging, encouraging. God damn, it's like it's like. When you're around someone and someone's like, ooh, I shouldn't buy that, but I want to. And you're like, fucking buy it, you asshole. That person. He <laughs> okay, was yeah. like that, right? Like, home. Yeah. And he'd be like, you fucking do that like all day. Who has a girlfriend? Not you. Do it. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're right. I don't have a girlfriend. Like, that was my life. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for a while, I was like, mm. I guess a guilty pleasure is I watched all the family guy and I laughed, I guess. But no, you know what makes me feel guilty is that I neglected my friends for not only Assassin's Creed, but also family guy. At the same time, <laughs> if it was one or the other, I would have come as also some slack. But dear Lord, I was like withering. What? It was so bad. Um, I have a funny story about uh, the idea of guilty pleasures once. I can't remember if I mentioned this, and if for whatever cosmic reason you end up listening, I'm sorry. You know who you are. I don't actually hold this against you, but uh, one of my exes once uh, criticized me for crying at the end of Mass Effect 3. Did we talk about this? Damn it. Did we talk about this in the show? No. So my ex criticized me for crying at the end of Mass Effect 3 because I love Garrus. He said a sweet thing. I, I sobbed every time, and I told her this in confidence. An instant, she made fun of me, and I said, "Well, you cried at Harry Potter, so fuck you." <laughs> no one can explain to me how those two aren't the same. Sorry, not the same story, but fuck that. Anyway, now yeah. um, I'm ready to fight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for making me feel better, Connor. I'm really glad. I'm really glad I'm able to say these things to you out loud. Whether or not it's completely related about creativity, whatever. I was feeling bad, and I. I'm really lucky that I have somebody who can listen to what I'm saying without judgment. And I can tell you that I'm watching a preschooler show and you're not going to make fun of me about it. No. Yeah. It's only if you're watching football. And it's like, I had friends that I thought were friends in high school. And then it wasn't until like I got to college and I met friends who didn't make fun of you for the things you liked. And it was like, <sighs> Oh, this That's is friendship. What, oh, this is what friends are supposed to be. I yeah. thought I had like really good friends. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. So, um I feel like I started low and I'm ending the episode in a better place. 
I'm good. How are you feeling? I mean, still kind of whatever, but we're both depressed. So yeah. It's and, a journey. Yeah, and it's never really going to end. You never really stop journeying, do you? No. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 Feeling it out.